This is the Oanda Podcast. Brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. Welcome back to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast. Each week I'm joined by Oanda Senior Market Analyst Craig Earlham to review the week's business and market headlines. Very good afternoon to you, Craig. How are you doing? I'm really good, mate. It's Friday. Happy days. How are you? Well, it's Black Friday, of course, isn't it? Is it going to be a black weekend for Theresa May? <laughs> I mean, I think it's not going to be uh, the, the happiest weekend of her life. I think there's probably a few more uh, stumbling blocks to come, but we'll get to that. Uh, hurdles, schmerdles. Hurdles galore. Uh, yeah, she is off to Brussels for the uh, latest in a series of uh, EU summits. I think there might be more to come. They say that EU leaders are going to sign off this deal on Sunday, despite this new issue over Gibraltar. Of course, Spain demanding last-minute changes to the agreement unless it gives assurances over Gibraltar, although no one country can actually block the withdrawal agreement on its own at this stage. But it is amazing, don't you think, how late in the day this Gibraltar issue came up in the conversation. It's almost like they've sort of ambushed it timing has been really weird and it's nice to know that the Spanish PM himself doesn't even really quite understand just how important the vote is uh, suggesting that it could veto the deal. You only need 20 don't you out of the 27 is that right? Yeah it's, it's something along those lines so it, it, it's a bit odd. Uh, it, to be honest it says everything about Brexit doesn't it? That even the people who are involved at the highest levels are still quite confused about the details <laughs> about how this all works. It's, There's no it's, hope for any of us. No I mean I, I follow this day in day out and the amount of times you get in a conversation with people and they're trying to pick your brain do you think it's aged you, Craig, Brexit? Because it's aged me, definitely. I, I feel like I've aged 10 years in the last 18 months. I really do. Um, and I think I've probably become a lot more miserable as well, to be quite honest. I think you should get a Brexit bonus. I, I, Speak I, to I, the Oanda people. I think I need about a year off from this industry and I need to go and maybe explore somewhere. Go to Europe. Apparently it's really nice. And uh, while I'm still allowed, we should go for a break over there, have some nice uh, Italian wine. We should uh, mm. head to France and have some uh, lovely food and we should go to Germany. Lovely beers. Talking of wine and beer, have you heard this uh, majestic wine story? I'm just wondering if it's a bit of a sort of PR, but apparently they are stockpiling alcohol. Yeah, the stockpiling up to, I think it's £8 million pounds worth. Uh, Is that for, all? <laughs> yeah, I mean... They, That's they, an Oanda Christmas party. On the one hand, they know they're public, mm. and the other hand, they maybe they just don't know us quite enough. <laughs> I mean, uh, come March uh, 29th next year, I think we may need a little bit more than uh, what they're stockpiling, but it's nice to know they're planning ahead and they uh, they very much know their audience. And I, got, I, got, I don't know if this was tongue-in-cheek, uh, but it was the, I think it was the CEO suggesting that they even considered a pipeline from France to the UK uh, in order to avoid the border issues now I mean like I say probably tongue in cheek but again it's nice to know that they're giving more forward thought to post Brexit than the vast majority of the rest of us and at least they know what we're going to be craving come March 30th yeah a pipeline of wine question of are you going to be toasting Brexit or drowning your sorrows really isn't it it's a fine line, but uh, I think both of them end up in uh, vast consumption in in many people's cases. This framework for future relations, uh, Mrs May says, is, is within our grasp. But there is such a long way to go, isn't there? This is just part nine of, of a very, very long number of chapters. Yeah, we talk about how this could be a long weekend for Theresa May, and she's meeting with uh, Jean-Claude Juncker tomorrow in Brussels, the meeting of the EU leaders is on Sunday, assuming they all turn up, because again, they have suggested that, well, we're not even turning up unless we're signing here, we're not coming here to negotiate, we're not coming here from some last-minute terms, we don't want to have things thrown at us late in the day that we have to discuss and concede on, or potentially not concede on, and then have a vote, we are coming here to vote, to pass this, to sign it, and to move this process forward, otherwise we're not coming at all. So yes, this could be a difficult weekend for 
for Theresa May. My gut instinct says it won't be. They'll go, they'll get enough signatures, it'll pass on Sunday. And that's when the real problems begin. It's not this weekend that the problems begin. It's once it gets back to Parliament, because I don't know if anyone's watched Parliament over the last couple of weeks no. or over the last seven days. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've watched way too much of Parliament TV. It's yeah. not the most interesting of channels. There is so much opposition. And I've said this before, I know there's opposition and I still think it'll eventually get through, but there is so much opposition and justified opposition as well. The DUP rightfully feel betrayed by this deal. The backstop may never get triggered, but it's a backstop for a reason that could get triggered. Brexiteers feel like this is a dreadful deal because it turns us into a vassal state. And again, they may be, this may be something of an exaggeration in many circumstances, but ultimately if we enter into this backstop, we are kind of trapped and we do not have full control over our destiny. And that's a word that's been thrown around way too much, but but again, Remainers feel like we've not got enough out of this deal. And No, Remainers are just looking for a people's vote. Failure will lead to a, a second referendum. Well, firstly, an election uh, and then a referendum. I think the Ooh. election is what they'd hope for more. But even then, an election would probably just humiliate them more in the longer run because they say that this doesn't pass their six tests. Well, a lot of their tests are quite straightforward, but one of their tests is, is just utterly ludicrous that, it, that the future deal gets them uh, at least the exact same terms as what we currently have in place with the EU. That yeah. isn't possible. Ludicrous. I went to a, a, a talk earlier this week with John McDonnell, and it's, it, name it's incredibly... There. Well, I mean, I, it's not like I was sat on his table. I was right at the back <laughs> of the room, hiding away, uh, trying not to be seen. It's amazing that like, you, you, I'm listening to this guy speak, and there's a lot of what he says which makes sense, and that's fine, and you, this isn't a political conversation. It's When it gets to Brexit, that it becomes really quite frustrating, because you see what he's... The, what, what he's saying about what's wrong with this deal that Theresa May's drummed up and the alternatives that he's offering and he actually was offering suggestions for alternatives they're not feasible he says that we shouldn't have a backstop because if we negotiated there wouldn't be a need for a backstop and we could arrange a, a customs arrangement a customs union not the customs union a customs union which would negate the need for a backstop well in order for that to happen the EU needs to be open open to talking about a future trade relationship where they're not until the exit date, which is why the, this backstop is needed. They talk about uh, that we'll have access to a single market or something that resembles the single market without being a single market. Well, that sounds like cherry picking to me, which is the, what the EU has openly opposed. And it's it, the only thing more, more frustrating, I think, than watching uh, the, the Conservatives implode based on all these various ideas after 18 months of negotiations, conflict within about what we need to be doing going forward, is hearing the alternative from the opposition, which is no more feasible either. Like The whole thing is completely ludicrous. I was more interested in what John McDonnell had to say about uh, whether he was going to live in 11 Downing Street once he became uh, Chancellor of the Exchequer. And also he says he could never be friends with a Conservative. Could you ever be friends with a Conservative, Craig? Well, it depends if they get in the first round, and to be honest, I mean, I'll be friends with anyone who uh, who nips to the bar first. Speaking of, of wine pipelines, what are we expecting then over this weekend? I think it's just going to pass as, as we expect, really. I, don't, I think we're going to get to Monday, and then we're going to move on to the more domestic political situation, which is, can this get through Parliament? Who's going to seriously oppose it? Is this going to be one vote in Parliament that gets turned down? What happens then? How do we proceed from there? Are we talking about the Theresa May going and back and trying to get some last-minute concessions from the EU? Is there going to be any appetite from that from their part? Probably not. Then do we have a second vote in Parliament where the old, only alternative is no deal? Because despite widespread opposition to Theresa May's plan, each and every MP that, that's spoken, or most of the MPs that uh, opposed it, have also said it's not as bad as the no deal option 
but it doesn't make it a good deal for the UK. So it, I think there's going to be a long drawn out process. And what that means for the pound ultimately is we're going to see lots of volatility yes. because the, on the bad days, we're going to see big downswings. On the good days, we'll see big upswings. And until we actually start to move to a point when we're getting somewhere, then we, that's when I think we'll see the big moves up or down. And I'm still somehow in the camp that's optimistic here. And I'm still somehow believing that a fudge will be found, an agreement will be made, and we will go through March 29th into the transition period. But then I just... I really struggle to understand how this backstop is going to work because I think people are really going to struggle to get behind any deal that leaves us in that potentially in that backstop. It's I think it's it's just I think it's if we think it's been mad over the last two weeks, I think the next two months is going to be more so. As you say, the pound's been hit uh, by these additional questions about uh, Gibraltar oil prices in the doldrums again, sharp falls earlier this week. Yeah, it's it, it's not been much of a week on the news flow perspective. We I think there was, we heard from the Saudi oil minister uh, Khalid Al Fali, who uh, suggested that I think that Saudi Arabia are pumping uh, near record or at record levels of oil. Uh, oil um, is that doing a favour to Donald Trump? This this is where the, the, it becomes really uh, sketchy, isn't it? I mean, we've seen Donald Trump's tweets this week. I think pretty much everyone probably stuff. has an alert yeah. on his account nowadays. And this suggestion, you had the Mike Pence comment, which was suggesting that, well, they are a strategic ally. We have, the, 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 they, they, they are a, a long-term partner in the Middle East and we we have to preserve that relationship. So and, state murder is okay, is it? But then there was a comment underneath from Trump. We were like, oh, and by the way, they, they give us billions of dollars for these yeah. weapons. And it's like, you said prior to this, you almost have to admire his honesty. But the flip side of that is, it suggests that human life has, has a price. And uh, as long as you give the US X amount of money, then you can pretty much get away with whatever you want as long as it doesn't have too nasty an effect on them at home and that's the wrong message to be sending even though these conversations probably do happen in the background and we can't be naive to think otherwise to be so open and so casual about it i think it's pretty disgusting to be honest and it's it's amazing that he's normalized poor behavior so much now that this happens and next week it's forgotten and again it brings us back to what we said uh, about a month ago six weeks ago whatever it is when when we were having these initial conversations we came to the conclusion by the end of it that the sad fact of the matter is and the cynic inside us suggest that what this is going to do is eventually this will be brushed under the rug and donald trump will use it to try and get cheap oil and that looks like exactly unfortunately how this is playing out Splits have emerged in the Italian government after a senior minister said the budget uh, rejected in Brussels needed to be rewritten. And that is in direct contrast, Craig, to the insistence of Interior Minister Matteo Salvini that no changes would be made. Yeah, there's going to have to be some concessions on uh, on this. Otherwise, we are just going to head down a nasty route. It seems that ever this, Brussels is the centre of everything right now, right? If they're not fighting Brexit, they're fighting this. Now, it, it seems that the... Oh, the halcyon days of the Greek crisis. Huh? <laughs> the easy days. Yeah. Um, it, now, it seems that they've been recommended, the European Commission has recommended that Italy is put into the excessive deficit procedure. This now, I believe, has to be voted on by finance ministers from across the the EU over the next... Uh, it, the, I think it's over the next three months it can be done. It could be the next two weeks. It could be in the next... Uh, it could be after the new, after the turn of the year. So things could go a lot quieter on this front. But should they recommend that they're putting in an excessive deficit procedure, which I believe they will be, that's when uh, the then that's when there's a lot more oversight over their budgets. That's when they can request more changes to the budget. And if they don't, that's when we'll get the imposition of penalties. I think they're hoping it won't go that far. And I think the closer we get to that, we'll have more market intervention and by that i mean 
people who are holding Italian bonds may be saying, well, actually, I'm not too fond of that anymore. That's when you start to see yields rising. That's when you start to see downgrades from sovereign ratings agencies. And that's where the real pressure will come on the Italian government to back down, because I just don't believe the Italian government is backing down to the European Commission directly, because everything that the European Commission does is fodder for them to go home and say, look at this unelected body telling us how to control our budget, what we can spend money on, what we can't spend money on when you voted for us to make that decision for you. So this is this is the difficulty where it lies, but I do think it's probably going to go quite quiet now, barring the, the whole rhetoric. One more word about Europe. The ECB minutes uh, out this week uh, suggesting that data weaker than expected, although they uh, remain in line uh, with the sort of general growth and uh, gradually rising inflationary pressures. What do we learn from those minutes apart from that? Very little. They have acknowledged the slower growth, but at the same time, they maintain their stance on the path going forward for the next 12 months at this moment in time. It's extremely unlikely that QE will be extended beyond uh, next month. Uh, and I don't know why they would even consider doing that anyway. Why would they want to alleviate any pressure on Italy at a time when it's going head on with uh, Brussels? So I think it's going to be happy to let QE end. Italy, the biggest beneficiary from QE as well. So it's another reason to let this uh, peter out and move on to uh, next year with uh, looking forward towards interest rates. The changes that could come on the back of this week of data is they've currently suggested that the first interest rate hike could come around the end of the summer. So we're looking at August, September time. That could maybe be kicked down the road to 2020. Uh, if They the, don't the, seem the, to have um, factored in the possibility of a hard Brexit, have they? No, but I mean, I don't think any central bank would at this moment in time. Mark Carney said the Bank of England has only factored in a smooth Brexit transition, whatever that is. And this is always the difficulty with forecasting because the hard Brexit, the no-deal Brexit, covers a wide spectrum uh, of possibilities. So this is where it, it's extremely difficult. And I think once that happens, then you can start to address it. But you don't factor in uh, in an election whether Conservatives or Labour are going to win it here. You wait until the election result and then you change your forecast. That's just how these things work. Just going back to the Brexit for, for one minute, one, one of the new things I've noticed in the last few weeks about the possibility of a hard Brexit is this uh, new idea that they would come to some sort of arrangement uh, through a hard Brexit. So there wouldn't be the stockpiling of medicines and, and alcohol. There wouldn't be queues at the ports and so on. Yeah, I think this is something we've discussed before as well. I don't think no deal will happen. And the reason why I don't think no deal will happen is because it's in no one's best interest for it to happen. And this isn't the public voting on it where there is no uh, ultimate um, responsibility. At the end of the day, there is no pointing the finger of blame at individuals. This is a collective vote. So therefore, people feel like they can vote in a manner that if it does go wrong, it's, well, it's not my fault. I was misled or I was deceived or everyone else voted. So my vote didn't matter. This is a selection of individuals who are ultimately responsible, who will will be held responsible for the outcome of this. So I don't think it's anyone's best interest for a no-deal Brexit, and therefore that's why I don't think it will happen. In the event that it does happen, I am very much of this same opinion. For whatever reason, if it does happen, I am very much of the opinion that there will be arrangements made to extend the deadline so that we can have an almost mini transition. It may not be 21 months, but it may be nine months till the end of the year. Or it may even be 21 months to allow us to, to get us towards the end of the budget period for the EU budget, uh, which means we continue to put, to put money in, but it gives companies an opportunity to adapt because it's the borders, it is uh, customs, it is medicines, but it's also from the EU's perspective. It's, it's access to London, it's access to our financial services industry, to our insurance market to all of these to the derivatives market which yeah. is huge they would be in serious trouble in a no deal brexit scenario as well so 
if we are heading for that, then the cliff edge I don't think is a realistic option because this isn't just shooting yourself in the foot. This is chopping your leg off and maybe even a, a second leg as, as well. So we have to remember that these are people with incredible insight into exactly how important specific things are, how intertwined our economies are, uh, how inter intertwined our industries are and just how important that is and what happens if that's cut off. We as voters don't have that same level of insight. Even the most educated among us don't have that quite that level uh, of insight. Therefore, we have to assume that they are going to make a decision that isn't completely stupid. Uh, and I know people like to think politicians are stupid, but I think ultimately they are not the idiots we like to portray. In most cases, there are obviously the, 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 the couple of alternatives. What did we talk about before Brexit? I, I just can't recall, really. I know you love talking about Bitcoin, so I'm going to give you... 30 seconds on Bitcoin. Are you ready for this? Three, two, one. So Bitcoin's actually become quite a lot more interesting again. It's found its volatility. It's found its cutting edge. Um, last year, we were talking about 10% falls, 10% climbs, day in, day out, and it was really exciting. No one really, most people didn't really understand uh, the actual underlying technology or what made it interesting. But the falls is what made it interesting. The rises, the 1,300% rises. It started falling again. It's fallen 25% in the last nine days. That is interesting. Very good. Spot on, Craig Earlham. Almost as if I was reading from a script. He wasn't, folks, I promise. <laughs> um, what about the fangs in bear market territory now? Uh, so long the darlings of the stock market and uh, their slide continues. Like you say, they're all in bear market territory right now. I was, I was saying earlier today, it seems that it seems like it's this Black Friday discounts doesn't just apply to stores and online sales. <laughs> it's everywhere we look, we've got the fang discounts, we've got yeah. uh, oil discounts, we've now got crypto discounts as well. Take Amazon as an example. A few months ago, it was this incredible company with incredible revenue growth, incredible earnings growth. It seems like the opportunities were endless. Uh, and all of a sudden, the stock is off 20-25%. Now, that is a huge discount to where it was trading back then. And people were really optimistic about it. It's been caught up in the fact that we have seen a market downturn. We've seen everyone suffer the consequences. And the tech stocks, these big fan companies, were the biggest beneficiaries in the bull run. And therefore, they are the biggest losers when it starts to come off. Because if anything's threatened as incredible growth figures, then it, it seriously affects their valuations. But nothing is really fundamental changed the economy's not in recession we're not in uh, unless there's something that's unforeseen at this moment in time we're not about to experience a huge global downturn so all we need is investor sentiment investor appetite risk appetite start to return and people are going to be looking at these stocks going wow that's such a discount facebook yes it's got its challenges but that's that was down 40 percent i think when i checked uh, yesterday netflix was, is down quite a considerable amount as well Good old companies that have got long-standing re revenues uh, like uh, alphabet google um this is they're off 20 25% like this is a, these are these are massive sell-offs uh, in these companies and i'm i'm wondering at what point people are going to be looking stop looking in stores for uh, in stores for discounts and start looking at these and going is there a bargain to be had here? And I think once people start to buy back into this, we could see quite a quick turnaround. And it really wouldn't surprise me if come December 31st all of these back uh, back towards these highs. Black Friday you mentioned transactions are up compared with last year but the money amount spent is lower which is interesting 
I still think there was an element of what's what what we went through in the summer. We went through a summer where spending was higher, people were going out more, people people are spending more on uh, experiences and going out into restaurants and bars and watching the football and enjoying the sun. Maybe there's still something of a hangover from that, so they're not spending the money on products and they've still got Christmas to come. There's probably a number of different reasons why this is the case. And if we get to the end of this weekend and we get through the weekend, because a lot of these companies do extend their sales now over the weekend, it's not just a one-day thing. And then we have Cyber Monday, so we tend to see deals then as well if we get to the end of the weekend and the numbers are the same maybe we can delve a little bit deeper uh, into that but again I, I went into a couple of shops on the way here and it is amazing that we've got this idea in our head of what black friday is and it's a deep discount on all of these amazing goods which we hold off on buying until black friday you go into the stores and you see something very different it reminds me of the old january sales when you go in and you're like well where's all this stock that mm. i saw two days ago that and i had this my eye on this and i had my eye on that and all of a sudden you realize that this is all the old stock that they haven't been able to shift for the last five years that's now back out on the shelves coming at this big discount but i don't want that anymore because that's old it's out of date it's ugly there's a reason it didn't sell in the first place and it's starting to resemble more like that particularly in stores maybe online it's a little different let the buyer beware right before we go what about next week obviously brexit and the repercussions from uh, those eu talks what else are you looking forward to to be honest, next week's looking pretty quiet outside of the political side of things. I think Italy's going to be a bit quieter, barring any rhetoric. I think Brexit's going to be the real, real main focus uh, for most people. And like I said, we are seeing big movements in certain markets. So oil, I think, will remain a focal point, and crypto will, I think, uh, we, we will will appear back on many people's radar uh, again next week. But from a economic standpoint the data side of things the central bank side of things it is looking very quiet maybe we're about to get a long overdue rest although i have a feeling i'm going to be sat here next week and i'm going to have a couple of extra grays i'm going to have a, the bags under my eyes are going to be a little bit darker and i'm going to be looking forward to the post-work uh, activities just that little bit more go have a lie down in a dark room get your lovely missus to give you a nice cup of tea and enjoy the weekend close the laptop turn the phone off and uh, yeah put the football on and enjoy myself sounds good to me have a great week you too From the team behind Jazz FM's Business Breakfast, a daily early morning 30-minute briefing for the day ahead. On air from 6am. Listen to Jazz FM on DAB, online or just ask Alexa.